Thank you, Renee. I loved how the exercise with the kids, they helped us because a lot of times we get we're studying or reading, reading scripture or studying or discussing scripture. Sometimes we get lost in the details as well. In some cases, the details are very, very important and critical to understanding the story, but a lot of times, if we get lost in the details, it distracts us um, from the larger point of what God's trying to reveal about himself. And so, like in the story with the three little pigs, it didn't matter uh, whether the first house was uh, paper, hay, straw, whatever. Uh, what matters is it was a weak house. All right, That's a good lesson for us uh, to remember as we approach these scripture passages. Um, and so what Renee just read for us, uh, that, that wasn't even the whole chapter, um, but if you go home and you read the whole chapter 13, I mean, there's lots of details that we could get mm-hmm. sidetracked on or that could um, get us off uh, the task at hand, and that is trying to learn something about ourselves and learn something about God. Uh, to be encouraged, to be lifted up, to be challenged, to be convicted, um, and so on and so forth. And so, thank you to our kids for helping us along the way. It's like this. It's like this is uh, an opportunity to look at uh, what the Bible says about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like this. And so, just to get uh, a quick review, last week, remember we talked about um, the, the criminal on the cross. And so we looked at the gospel story of where Jesus is dying for our sins, and the criminal on the cross asks, uh, or you know, has this conversation with the other criminal, and Jesus gets involved, and, and Jesus tells the criminal today, you will be with me in paradise. And so the criminal was offered that. It's the only one in the scriptures that guarantee a place in paradise until we, we fleshed that out a little bit uh, last week. Um, one of the things that I didn't mention last week uh, that I want to today is this kingdom of God business is what the scriptures reveal about the kingdom of God is that it is already a reality, but not yet fully realized. And so when we read passages of scripture, um, sometimes you'll, you'll, we, me and you both, might feel a little confused about the message. Joe, all the time, you're confused, but that's just life for you, right? Yeah, thanks, yeah. Anyway, some of us will read these passages, and that's because we, sometimes we, we fear, you know, we, we have these promises um, that are made through the life and work and teachings and work of Jesus the Christ, uh, but then we're also, we have passages that we're saying, but wait a minute, this seems like this is out into the future. And so both answers are right. We have victory in Jesus right now that we can claim from the work that Jesus did on the cross, um, yet it won't be fully realized until Jesus returns. And so the kingdom of God is held in that tension, in that balance here on earth. And so we have births of new babies here. Shaul is going to be a, a month old on Tuesday. And so we have all the hope and joy that comes from the birth of a child. Uh, but within those four weeks, four funerals just for our parish. And so that's not just the cycle of life, that's the kingdom of God. It's the fully realized promise of rebirth and, and resurrection 
but in the midst of death and sickness and illness and disease still exists. And so it hasn't been fully uh, eliminated from our life. Amen? Amen? And so we have to wrestle with that. And that's what the biblical writers did. They wrestled with this idea that there is victory in Jesus already at the cross, yet it won't fully come to fruition until he returns. And that leaves us with today's passage. Today's passage is about how does Jesus go about teaching the kingdom of God, this concept. And, maybe even more important for our purposes, why is it that some people respond and react to these teachings and accept it and follow Jesus, and then other people do not? Other people do not. Well, Matthew, when he's writing this gospel... Um, and he's, he, he's experiencing that as well. He's looking around. He's saying that some of these, and he's in a Jewish context. Matthew is, is teaching and writing in a Jewish context. And so he's looking at some of his Jewish brothers and sisters that have accepted Jesus. And others who have been exposed to the same seeds of the gospel are rejecting Jesus. Does that sound familiar? I mean, the more things change, the more what? How many times do we say that each Sunday? All right, and so he's dealing with that, and so and so, and Jesus was dealing with that, and so Jesus deals with that. And he says, "This is one of the reasons that I use parables to teach." As the disciples asking, "Why do you use parables?" And he is saying, "Well, one of the reasons is." He goes on uh, to explain it, but we'll pause just for a second about this idea of a parable. Um, I have a great uh, definition of a parable. Uh, about C.H. Dodd, the word now for us. A parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt of its precise application to tease it into active thought. Alright? Say that real fast. So I'll break it down for us. Basically, what he's saying is that parables are like a fable, a metaphor or simile that's used to invite us into the story using real-life examples to figure out something as complex as the kingdom of God and to not spell it out so <coughs> black and white that we don't have to think about it. So Jesus is inviting our, us to use our minds. Now, as human beings, sometimes we don't like that. We just want to be told. Jesus, tell me how to act in this situation. Jesus, tell me what the right answer is here. That's why some of us men like to be married. Because our wives just tell us, here, wear this. Here, do your hair like that. I remember when I was dating Melissa, it had nothing to do with the sermon. <laughs> but she was a fancy girl. Went to American University, and uh, we were going to a party at her friend's house, and she was like, here's a list of things you can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody been there? <laughs> Jesus invites us to think. Think it through. Active thought. Invite ourselves into the story. And it's good practice. 
throughout the whole scriptures, but especially when we're dealing with these parables. And here are specifically two good exercises to use when we're trying to figure out a parable and what God might be trying to say in a parable. The first one is the parables give us an invitation to find ourselves, ourselves in the story, among the characters. And at different times and in different seasons of our lives, that you know, what character we find or relate to um, may change. So in other words, when you're reading a story that Jesus is telling, try to figure out where to put yourself into the story. And if you can't figure it out, a lot of times the fastest way to figure it out is put yourself into the story under the bad guy or girl, whoever's messing up. Put yourself in their shoes. And a lot of times you can find out quickly what God is trying to say to you or to me. You with me so far? Amen. But, but find yourself in the story. And if you can find yourself in the story or plug yourself into multiple characters in the story or in the parable, then you can really reveal some things about you or, or figure out what God is trying to say to you. For example, in this parable of the soils, Parable of the seeds, however you want to approach it. We can plug ourselves in here in several different places. And remember, the ultimate question that Jesus is trying to answer here, or Matthew is trying to teach the disciples to answer, is why is it that some people accept the kingdom of God, gospel into their hearts, and some people reject it? And so... We can plug ourselves in. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate. I stop there for a minute. So the sower has put some seeds on the path, some birds came in and ate it. So the kingdom of God was sown, but it never took fruit because birds came in and ate it. Well, let me invite us, all of us, 100% of us, into this story as the birds. You know who I say the birds are in this story? In 2015, the birds are mean people. Mean Christians. Amen? So we plant the seeds in our little ones up here. Every Sunday morning, downstairs, or in children's church, or in the sanctuary. And then Monday morning, a mean Christian comes in and plucks the seed out of the hearts that we planted. Or I plucked the seed out that I planted last week. There's a new study that's alarming that just came out. I just saw it posted by the economist. They didn't do the study. They posted the story. A university did the study. And what they determined is that children... This is, this is the most shocking. Children of Christian parents are meaner and less generous than children of atheist parents. Now, whether that's true or a good, reliable study is a moot point. Because if that's the perception, that's a terrible, terrible perception. But you know what? I believe it. 
I believe it. Because I experienced so many mean Christians. And if you're a mean Christian parent, what are you going to produce? Mean Christian kids. If you're a greedy Christian parent, what are you going to produce? Or nurture at home? Mean kids. that are greedy and ungenerous. And so we really have to watch that. But we all at times, especially when we get the Snickers, I didn't say the Snickers, because I was feeling a little mean. <laughs> and we all, we all have to take ownership of this, because we all can be the birds. We all can even be the mean birds in church, unintentionally. We have to be so careful. Uh, unintentionally, I can walk right past Charlotte and not speak to her. That's mean. Even if I'm not doing it on purpose, so you've got to practice. Elizabeth can be running down the aisle and I can say, Elizabeth, stop running! <laughs> you might fall. <laughs> Would that be the first time she's ever fallen? You might knock over Joe. Would that be the first time Joe's ever been knocked over? I mean, heck, he ran a tank into a house during the war. He knocked over a little old lady. We have to come to it. We have to teach our children what's right and wrong. And sometimes you have to say no. But if no is the only word they ever hear, guess what they're going to grow up saying? No, no, no. They're going to be mean just like us. I didn't mean to go on that tangent. Let's see if we can get yeah, free. Let's see if we can find. Other seed now on. Rocky ground where the soil was shallow. The soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. Right? So this is a little bit more personal. This is bringing it back to us, affecting us directly. And so if we put ourselves in as the shallow soil into this story, then those are times in our life or seasons where uh, God had, we have had an interaction, an encounter with God. The gospel has come to us. We've accepted it. We get real excited, either for the very first time in our life or, you know, a, a revival in our heart. Like, wow, I'm on fire for God again. And then we don't do anything about it. We don't read the scriptures. We don't study the word. We don't dive into prayer. We don't serve other people. And so our soil is just, it's just shallow. There's no depth to it. And so the seed's not going to grow. And so... The, the kingdom of God comes in our heart and goes out our back. And so it just doesn't stick. And so we're back to square one. So, so put yourself into that part of the story. And then finally, there's another place we put ourselves in. Other seeds. I love this one. I made this one up this morning. I told Melissa that she was impressed. <laughs> she slept at Holiday and impressed. I said no, but I didn't get up with the baby and I heard her crying and act like I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Grew and choked them. Let me tell you what I think thorny plants are. The thorny plants, the seed has been planted into our hearts, our, our thorny little hearts. So we've accepted the gospel. But all right, it's cool. Thorny plants are needy people. Don't point any fingers, but do you know any needy people? 
Alright? And so needy people suck the life out of them. Alright? You know, so they need constantly, they need constantly call women, I need something, I need something, I need something. Well, guess what? Needy people also do that to God. So every prayer to God is a prayer of, I need this, God, I need this, I need this. And eventually, that just chokes the kingdom of God's seed that's been planted in their heart. It chokes it out. The needy people are like a thorny soil. Always. Constantly. Needing something. Always picking up the phone and calling Gwen and saying, Gwen, or Mom, or Grandma, I need you. I know Gwen can relate to that, so you're saying amen. <laughs> When you do that in relation to the gospel, I think it's the same effect. It has an effect on your personal relationship. It has an effect on your faithful relationship as well. Needy people are like the thorn. And then you go on from there and you can find other places on your own to fill yourself in the story. But that's a good and healthy and helpful exercise. When you look at these parables, plug yourself in. The second part that it's probably even more important, or at least just as important, is when you're looking at these parables, you're going to learn something about God. So you're finding God in these parables. Because in the parables, just like a fable, um, you know, people are standing in for others, and so God's not named in this parable. And so you have to think, put your thinking cap on a little bit. This is an easy one. God's the sower. God's the farmer. God's the one planting the seeds. Alright, and so when you think about that, we probably all pick that up. But what does this say about God? And sometimes in this parable of the sower, we can, we can miss this. So I'll just give you an example. So you got to really think it through. Talk to somebody else over, or talk to somebody else about the parables that you're reading. Think it through. Make sure you're not missing what this is saying about God. But in this case, it doesn't, if you're a farmer, like the bill, in the back there, Angel Bill, it seems going to make a whole lot of sense to him at first. But a lot of times that's the point of the parable is to catch your attention. So Bill's reading this from here and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. You know how much seeds cost? And you're just going to be throwing and broadcasting seeds all over the place? This Carroll County soil? What's that? A lot of rocks, right? Alright, so, so, but that's the whole point. The whole point is that God the sower is extremely generous and non-discriminate. doesn't discriminate where he plants the seed or throws the seed or sows the seed. It does not discriminate. That's what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like the seed of the gospel is available to all. To all. God's planting seeds everywhere, even in the midst of the thorniest people, even in the midst of the rockiest soil, even in the midst of, of, of birds already just like hovering, still plants the seeds. Because that's how, that's the nature of who God is. God is generous, and God wants everyone to have access to the gospel. Amen? And so we've got to put ourselves in that rocky path, thorn, the last places you and I was thinking about planting seeds, God 
already at work there. The kingdom of God does not only travel, it doesn't just travel in safe places or economical places or places where it's sure to get uh, a tenfold fruitful response. God is planting seeds everywhere. And our response to that should be twofold. Number one, let's not do anything, anything, including being angry birds. Hey, I missed that. I could have used that as an example, angry birds. <laughs> Don't be angry birds and make God's job any harder than it already is when seeds are being planted in difficult places. And then be helping those seeds be nurtured, and worked into the soil in the same manner, generously and non-discriminately. It's interesting that some will say that first century <coughs> farmers in Palestine area, in the Middle East area there, um, they would say a lot of times that was the practice of gardens, is they would scatter the seed and then someone else would come in and work the soil and actually turn the soil up and over. And so it's not as crazy as it seems. Um, and so you can wrestle with that and have any way to think about it. But the main thing for us today, the kingdom of God lesson for today is putting ourselves, finding ourselves in these stories, which oftentimes is going to give us a look at that not yet kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not yet because we're human and we messed it up. And then look for God in the story and see where the kingdom of God is already realized. Because God is at work even when we think it's a tough place to be. Amen? I think I need a Gatorade and a shower now. <laughs>